Foreign Artist in Rome While Rome has been and still is a place for meetings and creation by foreigners, with Inko Arnason, Giulia Fiocca, Maria Kraft, Lorenzo Romito and Frederick Wittling. The talk was held at Circolo Scandinavo in Rome 13th of February 2021 in collaboration with Stalker as a part of the project La Zattera. Welcome everyone. We are sorry uh, that you had to wait. We had a small technical problem, which is perhaps very common in these days. Uh, so uh, now I think we can start. And um, my name is Marie Kraft. I'm the director of Circolo Scandinavo in Rome. Uh, and this event today, it, it takes place in the frame of a cultural project uh, called La Zattera, in English, The Raft, uh, which is organized by Stalker, no working here uh, in Rome. And uh, in the coming two years, uh, Circolo Scandinavo will work together with Stalker in this uh, context uh, with different, uh, yeah, in the different programs. Um, and this project is financed by, by, the, by the city of Rome. Uh, so the Circolo Scandinavo was founded in 1860 uh, as a Scandinavian association for artists and scientists. Um, we have chosen to celebrate in these special times uh, with these meetings, uh, and we will organize a series of meetings during this spring. Um, and uh, many of them will be, uh, or for the moment, they will be online, mostly online, and hopefully in the end, perhaps of the spring, uh, also some of them could be in real life. Um, so this, uh, and, and each time we will register meetings and you can see them on the website afterwards also. Um, so today's talk uh, will focus on foreigners in Rome and foreign artists in Rome. Uh, we want to, yes, open a small discussion on why foreign artists always have been interested and uh, have come to Rome to work and live since uh, many uh, centuries, and also why is it still interesting to, to come to Rome and work and live. Um, so the program will be uh, several short presentations uh, or uh, open openings for the discussion. Uh, we will start with Lorenzo Romito, who is a co-founder of Stalker, and uh, he will remind us of how Rome has been a place for foreigners since its foundation. Uh, then Frederick Wittling, uh, who is a historian and, uh, and currently fellow at Villa Lante, the Finnish Institute in Rome, not far from the Circolo Scandinavo. And he will tell us about uh, some, some small things about the foreign academies in Rome. Uh, Julia Fiocca, who is also part of Stol uh, Stalker, will talk about the current projects of, of Stalker, where locals and foreigners meet around the artistic and, uh, yeah, artistic research and uh, projects. Uh, you will also hear Ingo Arneson, who is the former director of the Circolo Scandinavo, and he will talk about two Nordic artists that have has very important experience uh, from uh, their stay in Rome. 
Um, in the end, we hope to have uh, some time for uh, some kind of discussion. So if you have something to say, some questions or comments, please write them in the chat and we will try to answer you. And now I will leave the screen to Lorenzo. Hello, good evening. It is a pleasure to be here at the Circulo Scandinavo. Um, I will try to, to propose a narrative of the importance of the foreigner in, uh, uh, in, the, in the making of the city, not only in the history of the city of Rome, but in the mythology and in the making of the city of Rome. Let's say Rome couldn't have uh, existed uh, without the presence of foreigners. Uh, and that's why I still believe, and I'm not the only one, that uh, uh, this uh, tradition of exploring uh, uh, the city, that uh, residences of artists and searchers uh, in town that uh, uh, has a long, long history, it's so crucially important still nowadays for, uh, for our city. Well, let's see who's the first foreigner. The first foreigner that wasn't, uh, Rob wasn't even there when he, when he arrived. Uh, the first foreigner is Saturnus, that's the Latin name. He was escaping Greece because he was kicked out from um, the Olympus, uh, from his son, uh, Jupiter Jovis. And uh, he was his father, and he was actually named in Greek Kronos, and uh, he was uh, the god of time. Uh, well, um, he arrives in Rome, uh, in Rome, which was not there, he arrives uh, uh, on the Palatine, actually, there where he got hosted, uh, another crucial element. It's uh, Rome has always been hosting, and probably it's the main, uh, let's say, uh, uh, practice in this city is about uh, uh, hosting. So he was hosted by Janus. Janus was not a foreigner. Janus was a local, but himself he had two faces. So he could, uh, he was the god of beginnings, he was the god of uh, shift, changes, uh, of uh, passages. And uh, he gave hospitality on the next hill. Uh, 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 il Gianicolo and uh, il Palatino, they face each other across the river Tiber. Uh, so, uh, according with that, um, uh, maybe the tradition is also that the old site that where Rome grows, the mythological name of the region, it's Latium. And this, uh, according with certain uh, uh, etymological uh, interpretation, comes from the hiding which from Latere, from the Latin Latere, so from the hiding of Saturnus here. So here, uh, Saturnus is also a refugee, and, uh, uh, and he's only the first refugee. And what Saturnus brings, it's bring the possibility of gathering the fragmented, dispersed people uh, uh, into a new community. And this is then when, uh, mythologically, Saturnus gave birth to the to the golden age, uh, golden age related with his attitude of being also God of agriculture. So gold, like wheat, it's gold in the moment he gets cut. Uh, and he's uh, a symbol in Rome, it's actually the falce, uh, the instrument to, 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 to cut, to harvesting, to harvesting 
uh, wit, which is also the tool of this other aspect, which is Actonian aspect, an aspect related with the underground and is uh, uh, um, underground divinity also, because uh, 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 an instrument that gets uh, irritated by the death itself. So Saturnus Heights and, and the representation, there is this important representation of the city, uh, 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 esoteric representation here we are. There were Rome, it's that uh, young woman sitting on top of the hill and Saturnus is in the cave. So Saturnus itself starts to represent the Latium, the region, the wild region uh, uh, full of woods and waters. There were Rome seats. And, uh, and this also has to do with the reciprocity that the city had with, with its own uh, 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 environmental contest. And this is another crucial element of Saturnus because um, he gets celebrated by the Romans in a, in, in a holiday called Saturnalia. They used to, to keep, take place uh, uh, in the days before Christmas, let's say. It's a, uh, a solstitial uh, 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 celebration. And uh, in uh, the time of the Romans, uh, uh, all the, the, the rules, the position was uh, uh, upside down in those days. So it gives also birth to our tradition of carnival, where we can change, we represent ourselves different from how we are. And it's a very subversive tradition that uh, it's one of the ways through which Saturnus um, uh, in Latium, the wilderness, the extraneous, the otherness, uh, is considered mythologically fundamental in the creation of the city. So Saturnus, the last uh, shepherd king, Saturnus uh, uh, Evandro, uh, uh, he was uh, original from Arcadia because uh, the evidence of the relationship in between Latium and Arcadian should be uh, underlined. Well, he was coming from Arcadia, he was a foreigner, but he was sitting on the Palatine, on the ruins of this uh, city built uh, that was the, the, the age of time, uh, someone says Atlantis, that was there, the ruins that were there before Rome was built. And this was done to, and there he meets uh, Aeneas. Aeneas is another foreigner. Aeneas is another foreigner, he's a refugee again, he's a king. And he is not a king, sorry, he's a, he, he, he will, uh, he's, he's, he's a, he's a prince of uh, uh, Troy that uh, uh, gets, uh, uh, when he gets destroyed, escapes and after a long, long travel that Virgilio narrates uh, in the Aeneas, reaches Rome. So, so Aeneas asks Evandro's help. So we see how everything in this mythology has to do with this uh, foreigners, refugees. And uh, now we can go closer to the beginning of the city than when uh, Robulus uh, wanted to create at the edge of very strong and powerful uh, different Italic and Greek, Etruscan, civilization, uh, Rome uh, as, as a center, a center on this edge, on the edges of the river Tevere. And well, he proclaims the main, the Capitol Hill, what uh, the most important, also the, not, uh, the only one not inhabited hill, one of the seven hills uh, of the city, he proclaimed it in a wood uh, that was sitting there, the wood of asylum. He proclaimed it as the place that were to invite foreigners to come and give birth to the city. So uh, then we can go, of course, uh, how many uh, uh, emperors, how many popes 
through times has been foreigner, most of them. So uh, let's say Rome probably, it's this, it's uh, the need of someone that from abroad finds hospitality and refuge and has the capability that Romans do not have to gather the people into a rebirth, uh, a, a new, uh, a new edition, let's say, of the city through through times. Um, maybe this is a beginning. The artist. The artist. How oh, we get? We go nowadays. We reach nowadays. Why? Why this is so important? No, I just don't want to want to use too much time. And uh, so why this is this 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 is the the mythology. But then uh, 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 that, uh, as I was saying, uh, uh, link the idea of. Uh, uh, the importance of otherness. The first important water is wilderness. So Latium is the wildest side of the city, and Saturnus is a foreigner. And the foreigner gets uh, uh, gathers uh, uh, at the in the ruins regained by wilderness. There where the city was, and also uh, uh, as Saturnus teaches, uh, this is uh, 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 the uh, idea of eternality of the city. And uh, because the city is eternal, not because always splendid, but because knows how to hide himself into a wood that regenerates through the foreigners that arrive, uh, the city itself through time. So this is, this is the reason why maybe Rome is eternal or wants or, 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 or declare itself uh, eternal. And this tradition never stopped. So it became more and more important. Probably this is a secret no, of eternal youth that uh, all the intellectuals uh, of Europe in the search of the origin, but then uh, uh, what a place to find origin, a place there, the origin don't exist, uh, as we have been uh, saying, because they always backwards to a previous ruins that uh, tell us a previous stories of origin, uh, and probably a place that wants to be eternal, uh, doesn't want to have a hand. It's something that doesn't have a hand, doesn't have an origin, but the foreigner, and we can take Heracles, another Greek that came here in uh, uh, killing Kako, a monster here. Well, uh, Heracles is, is exactly this symbol. So there is so many strata in this city of so many different stories that they become humus, fertile, fertility, no? And, and this is Saturn, it's the god of fertility, uh, a, a fertile place. But then the Romans that inhabit this, they're not capable to understand and read this. There is uh, uh, Michel Serre, he made a fantastic book on the foundation of the city. Uh, uh, the city needs a foreigner with his naivety, if you want, with his ingenuity, to find himself his narration. And through it, but this, this narration will always link to the different layers of the city and will always be ready for a new narration to be uh, designed by the foreigner. So let's say the foreigner nowadays, the artist, the searcher, it's uh, as needed as it was, especially now that Roma once again needs to be refounded. Hello. Uh, I am here to uh, tell you a little bit uh, about the first day when Hendrik Ibsen came to, uh, to Rome. <clears throat> the story uh, is that the first thing he did the morning when he arrived uh, in Rome was to go and meet the consulate, John Bravo, 
who took him straight to Circolo Scandinavo. Uh, they knocked on the door and uh, the, the director of Circolo at the time, Dietrichson, the librarian, <clears throat> answered very angry because he was sleeping. And, and uh, he said, and, uh, and on, the, on the door phone was, uh, was the consul, I have a friend here who wants to see you. And he responded, but I am indecent, I am naked. And he said, does it matter? We are all men. And he got in and he brought uh, Henry Gibson uh, straight into the library, who sat down uh, and read some newspaper while, uh, while Dietrichson uh, got dressed. <clears throat> and uh, there's a small passage here, I think that is from his, uh, uh, the way Dietrichson uh, says this story that I'm going to read, uh, <clears throat> first in Danish. And, and then we see, uh, then I will tell you what happens in, the, in English. Det var en strålende solskinsdag, og det beier seg i vei forbi Kastel St. Angelo til den sistinske kapell og Peterskirken, hvor der overvar Guds tjeneste. Etter besøket i Vatikanet vandret jeg gjennom Forum Romanum, kriset over Tiberien til Trastevere, og besteg Giannicolo. Og da kveldmørket senket seg over den evige stad, satte begge mennene følgelig et romersk vin i et hag osteri i Trastevere, rett på andre siden av Tiberien for Palazzo Farnese, og nødt livet, mens en dverk improviseret på mandolin. So uh, if I try to translate it, there was a sunny day. They walked over to Castel Sant'Angelo, to the 16th chapel and the Peter's church, or St. Peter's, where they attended a church, uh, a mass. After visiting the Vatican, they strolled over through Forum Romano, crossed the Tiber to Trastevere and visit Giannicolo. And while the evening night flowed over, they uh, sat down with uh, the Roman wine in a country Osteria, I Trastevere, just on the other side of Tiber, where the Palazzo Farnese is, and enjoyed life while a dwarf improvised on a mandolin. And uh, we are now here at Circolo Scandinavo, on the other side of Tiber, just across the Palazzo Farnese. We are actually in the garden of Villa Farnese, 155 years later. Now, there is a Ibsen was a young writer when he arrived. He had not uh, broken through. Uh, he wasn't very famous, but he had had a, a support to come and work as a writer. And he is, he says his side of the story that when he visited uh, the St. Peter's and saw the ceiling, he finally knew, uh, what was it in English? Everything I wanted to say suddenly appeared to me in a strong and clear light. He had been writing a poem uh, and he was stuck. So he went home, 
This was a 50-page poem. So he returned home and he rewrote the whole poem as a theater play that is called Brandt, a theater play that was to be written, not performed. And because of his uh, uh, experience of visiting St. Peter, now they, I have, there are two stories. If it was this evening, the dome of St. Peter's church that impressed him so much, or if it was the Sixteenth Chapel. I believe it was the Sixteenth Chapel. It is easier to see how a poem becomes a theater play while you are standing under uh, the Sixteenth Chapel. Uh, it also might have been uh, easier to visit the Sixteenth Chapel from the same from the St. Peter Church at that time. And definitely if you have, were in, in, in the presence of the consul John Bravo, who was uh, um, an important person in Rome. Uh, so, um, so and Ibsen wrote, the year after he wrote Brandt, he wrote Pergint. So for me, I find it very romantic to think that we would have a very different Ibsen if he wouldn't have come to Rome and visit the Sixteen Chapel and St. Peter Church. Thank you. Uh, I would like now to present uh, Friedrich Wittling. He will take the screen. Thank you. And uh, thank you for uh, having me back. It's, be, it's so nice to uh, be part of this. It's also, I guess, part of this uh, ongoing celebration of the anniversary of the, the Circolo Scandinavo. Uh, very hard to follow these uh, introduct introductory acts, um, but I'll try to pick up on this uh, mythology, Fred. Um, I'll basically, this is uh, perhaps one of the biggest topics one could ever approach, uh, and certainly in 10 minutes. So I'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, <clears throat> we heard before about uh, mythology and various hills and uh, divinities uh, meditating over Rome and its beginnings. And um, maybe it would be nice then to connect to the whole idea of um, foreigners. And uh, basically, I think this contribution will be a little bit about etymology. And uh, it's worth, I think, meditating a little bit on the, on the word foreigner and uh, especially in Italian, straniero, um, and perhaps also the word forastiero, uh, which is interesting. The uh, sort of the outsider, if you like, is uh, Rome is of course the capital of Italy, but that, that's only very recently in its history. And uh, essentially anyone who came to this city was a foreigner, an outsider, let's say. And uh, this has always been the case. Some came from further afield, like across the Alps, to, uh, for this particular circolo, for example. Uh, <clears throat> but when you were talking, I came to think of uh, an image that uh, we picked up in a, in a book that I was doing on the, the history of Stazione Termini, uh, which is the, the poet laureate, Petrarca, when he was in Rome in the middle of the 14th century, sitting on the baths of Diocletian, meditating on the ruins of Rome and basically coming up with the modern idea of history. So maybe that's a nice image of another, as it were, forestiero or straniero, uh, sitting on another high space in Rome and uh, connecting to its past. Um, 
there's much to be said about this, but this using this link of uh, Rome as a uh, focal point, Rome as symbol, Rome as the city of Rome, but also as Rome, as the empire, and uh, the, all of these historical um, expectations that people have had coming here to study it, to uh, in, get inspired by it, I think can be summed up quite nicely in, this, in the scope of this circolo. Artist, yes, but also the scienziati, the, uh, the scientists, uh, which is um, the, essentially the topic that I myself have been dealing with in, uh, in a book that I've done, for example, on the history of foreign schools, of these foreign institutions in Rome, which is a 19th century um, phenomenon, uh, essentially. Um, <clears throat> and there is a nice link, I think, to Petrarca, to the, the medieval uh, period, and um, to the etymology of institutions. Because essentially what we have is we have 19th century scholarly institutions, but we have a tradition of coming to Rome, uh, which is much older, of course, and uh, essentially a tradition of religious pilgrimage, uh, medieval religious colleges, and also national organization of these colleges. And I think it's important to remember that when you think of this, for example, this Scandinavian association here, which is old, but it was predated by centuries by these medieval foundations. Essentially, people made it to Rome if they made it to Rome. It was a long trip. Uh, they were they would have to go somewhere. They would they might not be they might not be loaded with money, so they wouldn't they might end up staying in one of these um, national colleges and uh, have guides who would take them around the city and make sure they they went to the right places. Um, yeah, I was warning that this would be, it's, it's a big topic. Uh, jumping ahead a bit, connecting to my little vague theme here of etymology. Uh, it's, I wrote a book which I called uh, The History of Foreign Schools and, and immediately with the word school, you encounter a problem. Uh, what, what is that? What does it mean? Implying a whole uh, general framework of ideas and uh, traditions. We also, as we all know, we have academies in Rome, we have institutes in Rome, we have all sorts of things in Rome. Um, we also have an association such as uh, this uh, Scandinavian one. Um, this is worth keeping in mind, <clears throat> I think. Uh, these foreign institutions, as in the, at least in the, in the sense that I've been studying them, the foreign schools exist in, primarily in Rome and in Athens and elsewhere around the Mediterranean for the study of archaeology, art, history, and philology, if you like, uh, classical stuff, basically, classical studies. And this whole classical thing is part of the whole framework here, I think, because it's what we have is, of course, Rome being attractive to artists, but being attracted, attractive in general for what Petrarca and others were responsible for, this idea of history and Rome being so important as a symbol, as a focal point of, uh, of everyone for a very long time. And obviously Rome as a center of the arts, Rome as a center of antiquarianism is a vast topic, but what in basically in tandem with the prof professionalization of science in the 19th century, you get a need for a similar organization as in the med medieval period, but in a modern sense of having national institutions where, you, where these people can come to stay 
and organize themselves when they're in the city to start to study the past. <clears throat> Hence these foreign schools. Um, this is a vast topic, as I say, with the one exception to the 19th century phenomenon, the, the obvious exception is the uh, Académie de France from the 17th century, uh, 1666 to be precise, uh, which uh, predated various other, it, it linked to this medieval uh, tradition that I, that I talked about, but it predated other foreign similar institutions by several centuries in itself, which is a very important place. Obviously a place for artists primarily. Um, what you get eventually then in the 19th century is are these institutions that focus more on archeology. span uh, One of the first ones was in interestingly, or the first one in Rome was interestingly an international venture. The uh, Instituto di Correspondenza Archeologica which is uh, important to mention, uh, which uh, to make a very long story extremely short, became the German Archaeological Institute eventually. And this is linked to the political development of, uh, of during the 19th century. Um, all of this happened, however, the Instituto di Correspondenza was set up in the Papal States. It was set up in 1829 in Rome, in Papal Rome. After Rome became the capital of Italy, these institutions, these national institutions became, began popping up like, um, like mushrooms, starting with the transformation of the German, this German institution, which is of course linked to the ex existence of Germany, um, followed by many others as, uh, as, one, um, as one could talk about at another point. Um, yeah. So this, all of this is essentially about uh, the organization of science and organization of, of classical studies and, uh, and uh, which includes art history. Um, but also anyone who, who travels at least before any, anything modern requires some sort of logistics and organization. And, and I think it's important to see, maybe not to see these institutions as, as hotels as such, but as, or as a framework in which you can facilitate your brief period in Rome or, or long and uh, connect as, as quickly as possible to the network in the city, but also to your fellow compatriots and so on. And that, in that sense, this Scandinavian association is, is a rather lovely exception to this national uh, rule. Uh, as, yeah, there's a, this is a theme which we might, uh, might return to at some, at some other point. But there is a tension, an interesting, from the very beginning, every, people are attracted to Rome for the, for the same reason, regardless of where they come from, essentially. Rome is important because it's important, as it were. And uh, of course, it also goes in and out of fashion. Rome was the center of the arts in a totally different way in the 19th century than it is today. That's no question about that. And, uh, and that also reflects the development of, of the art scene, as it were. Um, but this national organization is perhaps not always ideal. And uh, that is, uh, this prestige element is also present in, in all of this. As prestigious as it was, as necessary for your formation as it was to come to Rome, it was also necessary for various countries to have their own institutions to rival those of the others, basically. With that, I'll pass, I'll pass it over to, back to Ingo. Thank you. Now, the second artist I want to present is, uh, is uh, for me, a very, very 
uh, you know, what do you say, dear. Uh, there's a bit of a, a myth around her here in Rome. Her name is uh, Ruska. Of course, the artists are so many and the stories are infinite. So I, uh, I choose two of the artists that are kind of uh, dear to me. And Ruska is because we have an artist in residence here who is working on a project related to Ruska. She is Icelandic and she was living here in Rome in the 60s and the 70s, <clears throat> or was active working and living in Rome in the 60s and the 70s, uh, moved back <laughs> home to Iceland in 1994, which was when I came to, to Italy. Uh, Roska was born 1940 and she passed away uh, 1996. I have here a book uh, which was published uh, for one of her exhibitions, um, edited by, by, sorry, by Hjalmar Finsson. And I want to read just a little bit passage uh, about Roska and then show you some of her drawings. Uh, Roska belonged to the generation of radical European artists who wished to expunge the boundaries between life and art who fought against the artistic snobbery of the bourgeoisie, the, politic, the political compliancy of the masses and the propaganda machinery of professional politicians. Roska was a, a painter, a photographer, a film director, and above all, a, in, an insurrectionist. The theme of her life is continual rebellion in living poetry in politics, as she herself said in 1978 article about surrealism. She lived in Rome for the majority of her life, but to Icelanders, her life was cloaked in the robes of adventure, even legend, because of her personal charms, artistic talent, political radicalism, and aura of things southern. Nonetheless, her life evolved into tragedy due to the burden of chronic illness and her eventual downward spiral into the world of drugs. Her first private exhibition was in Reykjavik in 1967. And the exhibition was advertised as an artistic introduction by Sum, a group of young avant-garde artists who would later have great impact on Icelandic art. Roska was invited to join the group and at that time participate an outdoor exhibition where she set up a washing machine transformed into a rocket launching pad. This was literally the first feminist work of art in Iceland and it, uh, and it elicited such enthusiasm, according to her friend, the poet Baldur Oskarsson, that it was stolen a few days after the opening of the exhibition. Roska studied in the Academia di Belle Arte here at Rome and then later in the Italian film school. I would highly recommend if you would uh, uh, Google her or, or, or inform you more about her. And of course, we would very much like to participate uh, with our artists in residence uh, in the project about Roska because she was um, a very strong activist, definitely ahead of her time. And uh, and maybe we'll end up writing here a small poetry from her diary. I am tired of waiting in the dreary gray concrete 
When I wake up this morning, I try to console myself with the words of feminist activist, woman is beautiful. But I was immediately put off course by Baudelaire's observation, beauty is always peculiar. So I decided to take a shower. Of course, the artists are so many and the stories are infinite of this 100, over 160 years history of Circolo. Uh, these were only, only few, two artists of the many. Hopefully we can do more of this. Uh, thank you all. And I would like to present Julia. Thank you. Thank you, Ingo, and uh, good afternoon to everybody. So at this point, my role is to bring you to the ground after mythology, after narration of tradition and memory, to invite you physically and virtually to join us uh, into this raft. As Marie Kraft mentioned at the very beginning, the craft is the raft, sorry, the raft, la zattera in Italian, is this uh, artistic device that we, as stalker, we propose in the frame of this uh, project of the municipality of Rome, the Department of Culture, for three years, to collect, to reactivate, to explore all the memories of the, the invisible and the rejected and the forgotten memories of the people, of a lot of people, especially migrants, that in 150 years in which Rome is the capital of Italy, they arrive in Rome as migrants at the very beginning, and they transform. They were very important for the transformation and development of the city of Rome from the really bottom up, with a lot of social, political conflict, but quite important. And so Rome is just a little bit younger than Circolo Scandinavo. We are 150 years this year, so we can wait to, to enjoy together this, this moment. So um, for us, going back to the, the practice of stalker, it's really um, to be on ground, to, to see, to actualize all the memory and the story of the city from just following an invisible sometimes or a little tracks or a little uh, red lines that we can find by chance uh, sometimes, and to do that together, collectively, to, in a way, to create a condition, to, to be together in, in between inhabitants, in between foreign, in between uh, young or not so young people with the migrants' experience, but really all the inhabitants that share and have the urge today to, to discover and to inhabit a space that we cross every day. So the idea, and what we, invite, we want to invite you, is really to cross with us these, uh, these times uh, of 150 years, but also the space. So it's uh, in between time and space, but in between also institution and informality. This all invisible world that we have every day, this underground need. So we are really on the, on the lines, on the, on the edge of the informally, informality and institution and surface and underground. And so this is quite important to be in between visibility and visible and invisible, and also to have to take the, the, the risk to, to reveal this invisible world, invisible, condition, but sometimes also 
to maintain an invisibility of this. So there is also a social and political uh, aspect or condition on this. So our position is quite important. And to do that, we invite the people to be part of this uh, kind of uh, situation to create attention among us. So when we propose this, uh, that we call a circumstance, that we are, they are not walks, they are not visit, guide visit, they're not uh, performance, they're not a theater event, but they, they, they we call this uh, uh, circumstance. So the idea of being together for, uh, for a time and a temporary uh, moment to cross uh, a territory and to, to try to, to create attention, uh, a moment to be together, to, to look at the what there was behind, sometimes with the, the testimony of that moment and this action, and to invent a new way of uh, act this space, which are sometimes uh, abandoned space, uh, neglected space, or just leftover space. But for us, are the at the moment the more interesting space to reinvent, to recreate a, a condition to to live in, in our city. So the gaze of the migrants or the gaze of temporary inhabitants of the city of Rome are quite important to be together with the people who really knows very well the place we cross. And also the, the construction, the building of a narration of this act and this territory are quite important. There also a, a responsibility in how to narrate these stories and also the action that we are going to do together. For example, together uh, tomorrow, we are not we are virtually, but tomorrow we invite you to cross together the countryside of Rome, uh, the countryside just to say because we were next to to the downtown, like five kilometers from downtown, but in a different landscape, completely uh, uh, kind of, of countryside inside the city, and we will cross the the soil and the, also the underground to be uh, and to see who lives in, this, in these places and who used to live there. There is a long story about that. So I don't want to say more about the situation of tomorrow, but it's really the idea is to explore and to, to be together in this moment and live the situation and thinking together how to, to act at the moment, to be responsible for this, uh, to be part of this uh, landscape and uh, also to create a narration of it. Also, ah, yes, in three years, all this uh, action that we are going to discover together and to act together uh, will be part of the raft. So the raft is the idea of having this uh, mobile archive in three years that will cross the, 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 the city of Rome and bring in around the story of the city, of this uh, uh, invisible story that they are not uh, uh, very known, very, they are unknown also for the people who live in Rome. And sometimes the, the, the foreign, they know better than us. So it's really important this position of the foreign, the temporary foreign, and also the foreign that decide to, to live here in Rome. Okay. okay, thank you very much. Lorenzo, Giulia, Frederick, and Ingo.
Um, for me, this is always extremely interesting, of course, and I hope that you also found found it so. Uh, and now I think we have we have some minutes. So if someone wants to comment or ask questions, of course we know, like we have said before, that this was a very sh like very short introductions to something, and we will continue the talks. And I mean. Zatara, the rat will continue and this will be, uh, I mean, we will have the many more moments to, to talk more perhaps deeply on this, um, on these questions and about these artists and these situations. But uh, please, if someone wants to uh, ask something or comment something, uh, you can also, you can write in the chat. Do you have any questions? Yeah. Yes, I, I think we use this system, but it's easier to... Well, going back uh, on the discussions that have been brought on, uh, why uh, sometimes we, especially with art, we say uh, how central, Frederick was saying, how central Rome has been in time and in, in different times. I think, I think there's a specificity of this city, as I was trying to, to say, is that uh, that uh, uh, the, the, the time frame is so wide of this city and, uh, and the variety of researchers. So it's not a city, uh, Michel Serre called it a black box. So it's the only city, uh, say, let's say Athens or, or, or Jerusalem, they, they produce knowledge for others. Uh, they express themselves. This city does not express itself. This city is a black box in the sense that uh, 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 feeds, no, like like Saturnus feeds everything, feeds his sons, and 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 and, and this process uh, become fertile for the other, fertile for the for, for the foreigners. I try to explain this better. Uh, I think uh, uh, this attempt of creating a city that never dies, uh, eternal, it has something to do with the uh, non-linear functions or the theory of complexity nowadays. So how to invert the verse, the linear verse of time, the linear process of growth and death into something that hides in the ground like Saturnus and can lead back time to another beginning. And this possibility to start up a new narration, to interpret the elements of the city into something that uh, proposes uh, a new way of looking cities. I mean, we have the first Rome, the second Rome, we had a Rome before, and someone even thought that we had a third Rome. I still think we didn't achieve the third urban model for, uh, for the planet, but uh, I think this is, uh, this is the importance of Rome. So you never get tired. There is not a form of this city, and whoever comes here gives form to the city by the process of exploring it. I think this is why uh, uh, we really need foreigners as a city, and this is also why foreigners really need uh, uh, to come here. Why foreigner has to come here? Yeah, we have a long tradition together with uh, the foreign, of especially from the um, cultural institute uh, in Rome and the academic in Rome. So we are really, every year, we are a kind of stalker, kind of a ghost guide of the, the artist and the um, researcher who decide to spend a year in the city of Rome, coming from outside and being in this uh, fantastic place 
uh, hosted in the academy. And so some, some of them really wants to, uh, to, to be guided without being guided in this other side of the city. So we are every year very happy to try to, to have this exchange, which are very important to us for us because to, to see our city, our everyday contest, look at by other people who are temporary here, coming from a completely different culture, a completely different approach and practice, it's quite important. It's really a reciprocal learning. Looking at our territory, which are quite uh, uh, active and needs every time to be reactivated and to be reanimated. Yeah, this is an interesting performance. I'll, I'll just add uh, <laughs> add something to uh, which is possibly uh, relevant. I think is uh, I think Rome should also be praised for basically putting up with all these foreigners and and essentially this image of Rome as the eternal city, timeless, is impossible. It's an impossible uh, act to, you can't live up to that. There is no place that can be this. And I think Rome does express itself. I think it does so all the time, but if it, it's a matter of how you, one, one secret I think to all this foreign interest is uh, nostalgia. Rome was, and this, go, this comes out if you read people like Ibsen, I dare say, or, or anyone today, Rome was always better before. R Rome is never, at its best right now, it seems, in, to these people. It was always in the past, or possibly in the future, as with Mussolini and these people. So th this, this weird, timeless, it's, uh, yeah, you almost get a sort of historical vertigo when you think about Rome. It's, it's too much, it's too big, it's too vast, but surely it can also be right here and right now and, and a physical, real place. So the nostalgia and the city of ruins and well, that was what, what Petrarca was on about. It was the ruins that inspired him. He was looking down on, on these traces of the timeless, eternal uh, past, etc. It's interesting. Be, it's an interesting. It would be a nice discussion to continue. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, I think we have had uh, about an hour now, and that's what we were given. Um, more or less by ourselves and also of, for technical reasons. Uh, so I would like just to say that, um, of course, for us at the Circolo uh, to have this, to be part of these projects, uh, projects with Stalker and other local, uh, yeah, local artists and uh, institutions, it's extremely important. Uh, I, I think it's in this, uh, the small, I mean, this small community of Scandinavians or these different academies or institutions who has these small communities of, of, uh, of foreigners and to be part of that and at the same time be able to go out and explore together with people living in the city in, in different ways for a longer time, is, it's ex very exciting. Uh, and as we saw, yeah, through Roska who lived here, I think, yeah, many, many years, uh, Ibsen less, but that this meeting with the city, but also with people here and the, the context, I mean, the lo local context is, 
can be very inspiring for many uh, artists. It, and not only to come to Rome to be, I mean, away from something. And, uh, and uh, yes, of course, that's also something important sometimes in, uh, in an artist's life that he needs calm and a distance. But I, th I think this position of being distant and, and close at the same time uh, is very rich and useful still today. I think also in these times with the pandemic, uh, we also have very many big issues about our uh, earth in general, uh, the, the, the climate change and, and our uh, and the sustain, sustainable goals that we uh, all of us must, uh, of course, uh, address today. I think Rome is uh, perhaps again <laughs> or now, can become and is a very uh, um, fertile territory to, to learn and to um, perhaps, yes, to, to change a little bit our way of living. It's, it's very vast. <laughs> it's a very big territory uh, with a lot of green areas in the city. And this is not, I mean, perhaps some, sometimes when you pass Rome very quickly and you don't you don't really realize this this uh, enormous space uh, that Rome is, uh, and also these old almost woods and natural and wild areas in the in the middle of the city. Sometimes uh, that's exactly what we in many big cities today uh, wants to recreate, and in Rome it's here. So I think we have also a lot to. Um, to think about how we can look at Rome as this perhaps sometimes a little bit slow in the changes. It has changed many times, but it's not, uh, it's not the quick changes. Uh, it's not the quick transformations, but perhaps today for us that can be, uh, uh, yeah, it can help us to, to understand how other cities also and our, yeah, in other parts of the world could, yeah, how we could create another living environment. Um, so, yeah, so I think uh, the foreigners and this wilderness, uh, as Stalker is working on several projects now in, on these themes and also others, I think it uh, can be a very good uh, introduction to something new for Nordic artists, artists and others, other, other foreigners. And uh, if you are interested, of course, uh, you can contact us because these projects will also invite people, I mean, to invite artists to participate in different ways uh, during the coming two, two years now, I think, until the end of 2022. But you will hear more about this uh, on our website and on other, in other talks and meetings. And, uh, and I hope also that you will Yes, if you are not in Rome now, that you will be able to come here and stay for a while. And now with the travel restrictions, it's good to stay for a while, not to, to visit places too, too quickly. Uh, so if there are no questions, I think we will uh, end here and uh, hope to see you soon again. Thank you for tonight. Thank you, everyone.